Second time today we've heard a song with that similar message to it. I th sounds like the Lord is trying to teach us something. Appreciate the folks that work in our music ministry. If your Bibles are open to the book of Ruth, little book tucked away in your Old Testament, but so much of the rest of the Bible revolves around the events that happened in this little place called Bethlehem. Centuries before Christ was born there, there, was, uh, there were some other people that lived there. They were living out their lives as generations of folks had always done, having no idea that what they were doing in their lifetime was going to affect and influence the generations to come. Sometimes we have a very limited view of our existence on this planet, and uh, we don't take into thought that God has an eternal plan, and we are a part of that plan. The story in the book of Ruth revolves around several key individuals. Of course, the namesake, uh, uh, Ruth herself, uh, a remarkable young lady, not a Jewish girl, uh, a Moabite girl. She was from a cursed race of people. And yet uh, God worked in her life in such a way that she became one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus. She's listed in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, by name uh, as, as one of the, uh, the uh, ancestors of the Lord. Um, there was also uh, Boaz, the man who would marry Ruth eventually, and together they would have a child that would begin the line of David and, and hence the line of Christ through that. Also, the other predominant character is a lady by the name of Naomi. And that is who we want to focus on briefly tonight. Uh, the story is a familiar one. We read with Brother uh, uh, Vara uh, just a moment ago in the first few verses of Ruth chapter 1, uh, the story of this lady. Again, would you look with me in verse 1? Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. We'll just stop there for a little bit. In Sunday school, uh, we've begun our study of the book of Judges, and we've, we've watched as one generation laid the foundation for the destruction of all the future generations after it. And they began a cycle, and during the rule of the Judges lasted about 450 years. The Bible says twice in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. These were people that had the written word of God. They had it. They had more of the written word of God than any generation of human beings had ever had. They knew what God said about every facet of their life, of every facet of faith, yet they set aside what the Bible said and they said, we're going to do what we think is best, what's right in our eyes. And it was a disaster. Um, so this is the spiritual climate, and we find out that this lady Naomi and her husband Elimelech, they are falling into that mentality of every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. The Bible says in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Oftentimes, natural disasters were God's way of shaking up his people, saying, you're ignoring me. You're not listening to my voice. Maybe you'll listen to something else. And so uh, famines, uh, various judgments would sometimes come along. And, and this may or may not have been the case, but there was a famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. The Moabites were off limits to the Jewish people. 
Uh, earlier in their history, the Moabites had tried to corrupt the Israelites uh, and God had to bring a terrible judgment on his people. And, and so God said, you're, you're not to have dealings with them. You're to stay away from them. They were a pagan people uh, and so forth. But this man of Bethlehem, Judah, um, he is a Jew by birth. Uh, he is a Jew by background. Uh, he is supposed to be a man of faith, but he is following the order of the day of everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. The Bible says he left where he was and went to the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. We've heard this statement often, but nobody backslides alone. We always end up taking somebody with us. And may I interject this on the flip side of that? Just because somebody else falls away from the Lord does not mean that you have to. Uh, that, that does not become a legitimate excuse for you. Well, uh, if my parents had been different, I'd have been different. You, if you know the Bible and you know right from wrong, that excuse does not stand up the scrutiny of the word of God. Uh, but Elimelech left. He took his wife his, and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 1, they just went to sojourn. That word means to visit. They, in their mind, were probably thinking, you know, Moab is not suffering the famine. Uh, they've got the prosperity that we don't have back home. We're just going to go visit for a while uh, and, and just stay there until things get a little bit better back home. And then, then we'll go back. And yet the, the Bible says they continued there. Uh, sin will always take you farther than you want to go. And it will always keep you longer than you want to stay. What was supposed to be a visit turned into many, many years of actually dwelling there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. She's a widow in a strange land. They took them wives of the women of Moab. These are her sons. So dad said, let's go do what seems good in our own eyes. They went to Moab. Turns out his sons, instead of marrying Jewish girls, they married pagan women. Be careful be careful where you go and where you take your family. So they took them wives of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And Malon and Kilian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Naomi and her husband left town with hope. They left hope uh, or they left home with, with dreams that's going to be better for us in Moab. I'm sure like, like every person that stepped out of the will of God, they rationalize, well, we're not, gonna, we're, we're not going there to become like Moabites and, and we're not going to worship their gods and we're actually not going to stay very long. We're just going to sojourn there. And they had it all rationalized in their mind, but uh, it, it didn't turn out the way they expected. Ten years later, Naomi is a widow. Uh, she has buried both of her sons as well as her husband in a foreign land. She has two daughter-in-laws that at this point, they are both pagan girls. Uh, Ruth has not made any uh, profession of faith yet, and eventually she will. But Naomi's life has, uh, has taken a very rough turn. Traveling into Moab didn't turn out the way that she thought it would. Much like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, 
who had these big, big dreams that he was going to go into the far country and, and life was going to be a giant party. Uh, but then there was a famine in that land. You understand the devil's supplies always run out. The devil's always going to leave you hungry. He's always going to leave you wanting. He's always going to leave you broken. Um, and, and the prodigal son found himself with the same dashed hope and, hopes and dreams as did Naomi. And then Naomi's story takes a wonderful turn for God. The Bible says, if you would please, in verse number six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. And here's why. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. First thing I want you to notice about Naomi's return to Bethlehem is Naomi heard about the work of God. Naomi heard. We're not sure how that came about. Uh, there may have been uh, people traveling through the whatever town or village they were living in uh, that uh, uh, were from Bethlehem, Judah, or from Israel. Maybe she met them, she inquired of them, how are things back home, uh, and so forth. They did more than just say, uh, yeah, things are going well, the economy's turned around and all of that. It was actually a spiritual message. The Lord had visited his people. We're not sure what God did for them. Uh, we're not sure if a revival had broken out uh, and as a result of God's people turning their hearts back, God lifted the famine and brought in uh, the food and whatever. We don't know what God did for them, but the Bible is specific. It said she heard how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. I think something must have stirred in Naomi's heart because she used to remember a day when God was moving in her life and God was touching her life but that had been a long, long time ago. Her and her husband had walked away from that. And now she hears that God is blessing his people once again. God has visited his people. Naomi's return to Bethlehem started by her listening. Naomi heard. Now we all hear sermons. If you're around church for any length of time, you hear a Sunday school lesson in the morning, a Sunday morning service, a Sunday night service, a Wednesday night service, uh, missions conferences, different meetings, things like that. Uh, we hear sermon after sermon after sermon, but I wonder, what do we really hear? Is it just like white noise? Does it become like that to us? Oh yeah, I've heard the story of Ruth before. And then we sort of shut it off and our mind goes somewhere else. This idea that Naomi heard uh, it, by her actions uh, uh, that, that happened immediately after that, she did more than just hear the words and yeah, yeah, okay, he visited his people. She heard not just with her mind and her physical ears, she heard with her heart. And there's a difference. We have got to be careful that we don't get so used to hearing the teaching, the preaching, the reading of the word of God, that it, it just becomes something we do and we're no longer really hearing the voice of God. Turn in your Bibles. If you keep your place in Ruth, we're coming back there. Can I get you to turn to the book of Ezekiel? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, then the book of Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel spent his life as a prophet of God. He was one of the most unusual 
dedicated servants of the Lord that you will find in your entire Bible. If you'll turn with me, look at, I said 18, I want you to Luke chapter, or Ezekiel chapter 12. Apologize for that. In spite of all the many years that he served as a preacher, most of Ezekiel's sermons fell on very, very deaf ears. In verse one, the word of the Lord also came unto me saying, son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house. He was dwelling in the midst of Jewish people. They were a Jewish settlement that had been taken over into Babylon. He was surrounded by Jewish people. These are God's people. These are the people of the book. These are God's chosen people. But God says, son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. They heard his sermons, but they didn't listen to them. They heard the words that came out of his mouth. They saw the vivid illustrations that God used Ezekiel to present to them to reinforce the words that Ezekiel was preaching. They could, they could understand the terminology that he, that he used. He, God said they have ears to hear. They just choose not to hear. They, they, didn't, they didn't really care what God had to say. Naomi wasn't like that. When she heard that God had done something back home in Bethlehem and she began to put everything together, she took it to heart and she's listening to it. Maybe there was a day in her life she had ears to hear and didn't, but that's changed in Naomi. And sometimes suffering can bring us to a place where we're finally ready to listen to God. Sometimes the consequences of going into Moab uh, start bearing in us and, and we, we suddenly realize I should have listened to what God said in the first place. Ezekiel was preaching to a generation of people that never came to Naomi's understanding. They heard the sermons, but they didn't listen to them. Turn, if you would now, to the uh, Gospel of Luke and chapter number 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 18. The Savior said, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Take heed how ye hear. He didn't say, Take heed to what ye hear. He's talking about people that are listening to the truth of God's word. Take heed how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. What he's saying there is, you need to be careful as you are listening to the teaching of God's word, how are you hearing it? Are you really listening to it? Are you taking it to heart? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to apply that in your life? And are you responding to that which you hear? Take heed how you hear. And, and the Savior said, here's why. Because that person that takes heed to the word that God's given to them, God will give them more. God will let them in on more. God will help them understand more. But that person that just ignores what God has to say to them, God's, God may just keep saying the same thing over and over again, but they'll never go any deeper. They'll never grow any more in their Christian life because they're not really listening to the voice of God. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter two, it all began for Naomi. Naomi heard 
And I mean, she truly listened to that message of God. Revelation chapter two begins the letters to the seven churches in Asia. Every one of the letters ends in a similar way. Verse number seven, the church at Ephesus, their letter ends with the words, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Look at verse 11. This is the church in Smyrna. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith under the churches. And seven times in those seven brief letters, the Lord Jesus ends with the same message. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit saith to the churches. Beloved, I realize you're in church on a Sunday night, but we, we've got to be ever so vigilant that we don't fall into a rut where we just heard another sermon and that was it. Are we listening to the truth that God is placing before us? Are we listening to it in a way that we're letting the Holy Spirit apply it to our lives and change the direction of our lives? You understand that if Naomi simply heard that the Lord visited his people and gave them bread and some miraculous things were going on back home and that there was a, a spiritual renewal, if you will, taking place there, but she stayed in Moab, we couldn't actually say that she listened to the message of God. She might have heard the words with her ears, but if it did not translate into action in her life, you, you can't say that she listened to the message she received from the Lord. The journey back from Moab always starts. It always starts when we finally decide to listen to what God says. Can I say this? The way to stay out of Moab is to never lose that mindset. To just always have a heart that says, I need to listen to what God says. That doesn't mean I'm always going to understand it. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm always going to like it, but God's always right whether I understand him or not. God's always right whether I like it or not. I need to listen to the voice of God as did Naomi. Now we go back to Ruth chapter one again. So we see her, her journey back to Moab begins because Naomi heard. Number two, Naomi humbled herself. She not only heard, I mean really listened to the message of God, she humbled herself. We'll go back to the second portion of scripture that we read with Brother Carson a few moments ago, verse 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Let's just stop there for a moment. She's coming back home for the first time in over a decade. Uh, we know that her and her sons, after the death of Elimelech, lived in Moab for 10 years. We're not sure how much longer it was before that while she, uh, her husband was still alive. But she's been gone for a very, very long time. And she's coming home. Usually going home is a happy moment. It's an exciting time. I remember when I was in Bible college and the first Christmas uh, break came along, I could not wait to get home. I had spent the, uh, the most homesick months of my life and I, I just couldn't wait for my brother to show up and drive me home for the Christmas holiday. And I couldn't wait to eat mom's home cooking and, uh, you know, to sleep on my own bed and not have a bunch of roommates running around, you know, belching all day, all day long and things like that. I was excited about going home and that's kind of the way it is. Uh, and, and we look forward to those things. But you understand Naomi's trip home wasn't that, that way. 
For Naomi to go back home, she had to swallow her pride. She later says to the people that surround her, that she said, I went out full. I went out full wealth. They weren't full of wealth because there was a famine in the land. What did she go out full of? I think they went out full of hope. I think they went out full of dreams. I think they went out full of plans. They might have even gone out full of pride. We don't know if on the way out that they kind of laughed at the people that didn't go with them. Maybe somebody tried to talk him into staying, saying, look, we need to stay here. We're God's people. This is the land God gave us. This is our inheritance from God. And maybe somebody tried to talk her and her husband into staying, and they just brushed it off and shrugged it off. We don't know if, uh, how they left. We don't know if they left on good terms or they, they left on bad terms. She just says, I went out full, and now I'm come home empty. She had to swallow her pride. She's come home a widow. Widows had no rights in, in, in those days. She's come home with no children. She's buried two sons in a foreign land. She's also come home with a Moabite daughter-in-law. Uh, there is nothing for her to be excited about. But Naomi humbled herself, and that is how she's making her way back to Bethlehem after Moab. Verse, nine, uh, verse number 20, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. The name Naomi means pleasant. Bible names often had a meaning like that. Uh, her name means pleasant. She said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. The name Mara means bitter. It goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 13 or 14 when the children of Israel came to some water in their first few days out in the wilderness. And the Bible says they couldn't drink of the water because the water was bitter. So they named that place Mara. And God had to work a miracle to turn the bitter water sweet. She is drawing upon that same idea. She's saying, I used to be a pleasant lady. I, I used to know what it was to be blessed. I had my husband at my side. I had my two boys with me. I, I used to be that Naomi that you remember, but I'm not that, that lady anymore. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Do you understand the pride that she's swallowing in making that statement? We went out high and mighty, and we've come back pretty low. I went out with a husband and sons, and I, came, I come back a widow and childless. We went out with all these dreams and plans, and we come back, and we are penniless. We're in poverty. Don't even call me Naomi anymore because that woman doesn't exist. I'm just Mara. Just, just call me Mara, this bitter gal. I want to go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here. It is a blessing to Naomi that when she came home, they still wanted to call her Naomi. Is this Naomi? Now, she had obviously changed. Um, I'm sure it was easy to notice that this lady had gone through some rough years. I'm sure the worry lines were etched in her face. I'm sure the sorrow was, was echoed as you looked in deep into her eyes. You saw that sadness of missing her husband, missing her two boys, uh, and all of that. 
But this lady has humbled herself because she heard the message that God had visited his people and she realizes our way didn't work. Our journey to Moab was a disaster. I need to go back home. She has swallowed her pride and she has walked back into town. Can you imagine how differently Naomi's story might have turned out if the people of Bethlehem Judah would have been nasty and unkind and judgmental and the whole nine yards uh, because, oh yeah, you're Naomi, you're the one who messed up. Yeah, uh, how's Moab now, Naomi? Tell us about it. Uh, if they'd have just rubbed their face in it, they didn't, they surrounded her. And you read the rest of the story, the people of that region reached out to Naomi. Uh, she would eventually... Uh, her and, and Ruth would get acquainted with Boaz, a near kinsman, uh, and so forth. And she found that the people of Bethlehem, Judah, rather than ostracizing her for her mistake, they loved her in spite of her mistake. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 said, If one of you be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... What's the next word? Can you say it by memory? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. This is very important. This is not, this is not an unplanned rabbit trail. It's, a, it's somewhat of an unwritten part of this story that we need to take, to take to heart here. If Naomi had come home and she had found a different crowd of people, Naomi's story might have ended up as bitter as it began. But it didn't, it ended up exactly the opposite. Question, has anybody in this room ever done anything, made a mistake, failed, poor judgment, sinned, you've done something wrong in your past? Okay, I'm not sure if there's any hand not up. Okay, we're not proud of those things. Question, number two. How many of you want to be judged from this time forward on your failure? I don't see any hands. How many want that to be what you're known for because you messed up, you failed, you, you backslid, you did something, you, you how many? We, we've all messed up, but none of us want to be known by that. Why? Because we want the second chance, don't we? How many, how many want the second chance? How many got it? Aren't you glad for that? Okay. Um, be very, very careful, church. When the door opens and somebody who went out badly or somebody who went out and went to Moab comes walking back in, that you don't sit there and put on your phylacteries and, 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 and get uh, your, your uh, pharisaical robes all in place. Hmm. About time they came back. Yep, I knew they'd be here. They don't need that. They need somebody to go up and love on them. You which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, not arrogance, not self-righteousness, the spirit of meekness, why? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Every one of us has stumbled and fallen, and I think every one of us that have stumbled and fallen at some point are very thankful that when we turn back to go back to Bethlehem after our sojourn and our continuance in Moab for a while, we were thankful that there was somebody there to love us back into the walk with God we, that we walked away from. Am I right on that? 
some months ago, I had the privilege of preaching for a pastor uh, who was, I believe, saved in this church uh, long before my time uh, and so forth. He was discipled here and so forth, but he went through a rough patch and he walked away from God. And it was one of those things kind of everybody knew that he walked away from God. But he shared with me the story that he, he knew he needed to get right with God and he was scared to death to walk back into church because he knew that everybody knew. He knew that everybody knew. But he, it, in, in his heart of hearts, he just knew he needed, he needed to get right with God and this was the place that had had to happen. And he walked through the back door and he named the name of the man who saw him and walked over and held out his hand and said, welcome home. The man who shook his hand and greeted him like that had no idea that he was welcoming home a pastor, a future pastor, doing a great work for God. Can you imagine if he'd walked in the door and it had been that judgmental snarky stuff? It had been very easy to just turn around and walk right out the door. We must never allow ourselves to fall into, into that trap. Uh, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I am scared to death of people who know the dirt about everybody else. I do not trust them any further than I can throw them. And you shouldn't either. Because when they are, when they are sharing someone else's dirt with you, number one, gossips are always liars. They never tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Let the squirming begin. Um, they're always liars, so you should not believe them, period. Number two, you need to understand this. If they are bad-mouthing somebody behind their back to you, they are bad-mouthing you behind your back to other people. That's the way they work. You just need to stay away from them like you'd stay away from someone who has covid Muzzle them with a mask. In fact, follow Dr. Fauci. Get three, four masks so that their, their slanderous stuff can't even get out of their mouth and their stuff stuck breathing in their own bad breath. I'm thankful that in Naomi's account in the Bible, when she came home, she didn't find a bunch of backslidden reprobates like that. She found people in, in, in Bethlehem. They knew that she had gone away. They knew that she had made a mistake. They could see the pain uh, and the consequences of sin etched in her face, but they didn't throw her away. They didn't treat her like so much trash, and they weren't going to spend the rest of her life treating her like the woman who failed. They were there to give her a brand new start because that's what our God specializes in. Amen? End of rabbit trail. Naomi heard the message of God. Naomi humbled herself. And we have so many promises. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Um, this, this lady was about to find that to be so. The, the last thing I want you to notice is that Naomi harvested. This lady went out full and came home empty, didn't end the story empty anymore. This lady found that even though life had turned her bitter and she called herself bitter, nobody else called her that. She said, just call me Mara. 
The, the Lord's dealt bitterly with me. The Lord's afflicted me. And I don't think she was accusing God of wrongdoing. She knew why everything happened to her the way that it did. She left the will of God. She went to Moab. She knew all of that. And, and, and so again, she's not falsely accusing the Lord, but, but uh, the joy is gone from her life. The hope is gone from her life. And she didn't have the privilege of reading the rest of her story in the book of Ruth. You know, we get to read it after the fact. She had no idea what was about to unfold. She had no idea that God had something so good in, in, in store for her that it would, it would just mesmerize generations to come. Naomi harvested. She got a renewed faith. Look in chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 20. This same lady who said, God's dealt with me bitterly. Call me Mara. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, that's Ruth, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, This man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Ruth had just randomly gone out and landed in the field of Boaz, one of the wealthiest men in Bethlehem. He was a near kinsman that was important for the rest of the story. And Boaz so respected the fact that Ruth was loyal to her, her mother-in-law, uh, that she was a virtuous woman, that he offered her his protection. He made sure that she gleaned with his servants. He instructed his servants to make sure that she went home with extra food for her and her mother-in-law. Uh, he made sure that she could go into the house during the heat of the day and rest just a little bit. Uh, he, he ordered his servants make sure nobody uh, harms her I know she's a Moabite she's not one of us uh, but we're going to treat her right because she's been a good lady she's been a godly uh, lady to Naomi and Naomi's watching all of this and this lady who thought that God had abandoned her uh, all of a sudden realized here's God feeding her here's God providing for her Here's God taking care of her and she had no idea how the story was going to end yet but she has a renewed faith I guess God didn't throw me away after all. If you've ever been out in Moab, it's easy to feel that way, isn't it? I messed up. God can't forgive me. I messed up. There's no way back. Read your Bible. That's not how God works. Abraham messed up on more than one occasion, yet he's still called the friend of God and the father of the faithful. God didn't throw him away. Moses messed up right from the get-go and got angry and murdered an Egyptian that was beating a Hebrew. God didn't throw him away. Did David mess up? Yeah, big time. If David was in the average independent Baptist church today, he'd come back in and he'd be forever known as David the adulterer, David the murderer. But God didn't work that way. Aren't you glad that God is who he is and that you're not God? Just think about that. The Bible's full of stories of people that Peter messed up. God didn't throw him away. The great apostle Paul made some mistakes. God didn't throw him away. Now, if any, any of those people had lived on in their rebellion, they would have forfeited the blessing of God. He's not going to bless rebellion. But every one of those people turned back to God. And when, when you draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. That's his promise. 
And Naomi is finding that out. She, she thought I walked away. I, I messed it up and I, I lost everything. And now she's finding out that when she came back, she's humbled herself. There's God beginning to work again. And she's got a renewed faith. She's got a, a renewed hope. Chapter three, verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast, Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Naomi realized that Boaz was a, a, a kinsman. In, in Bible days, they called this the kinsman redeemer. If there was a, 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 a gal and she was left widowed and there were no men to care for her, it was actually a command of scripture that the nearest male relative was supposed to marry her so that she is no longer considered a widow and to raise up children to her so that that, that family doesn't die out. Well, Boaz just so happened, by the way, there's no coincidence with God. He's got it all mapped out. Uh, just trust him. Um, it just so happened Boaz was the kinsman and Naomi's putting all of this together. And this lady who thought it was all over now has a hope there might be a future for my family. Oh, she had no idea what kind of a future God had in store for her family. None whatsoever, but it's renewed. And she was left with a remarkable legacy. Look at chapter four, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Naomi took the child, laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women or neighbors gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So here's this lady, the widow, two sons buried in a foreign land who messed up big time. But she listened to the voice of God. She humbled herself swallowed her pride and went back home. And when she did so, she encountered a group of humble people that chose not to hold her past failures against her. And she found her hope coming alive. She found her faith being restored. And in the process of time, that same lady is now holding in her arms a little baby boy, her grandson. She never thought she'd have one. Malon and Killian died apparently childless. She's holding her grandson in her arms. And, and it's, it's like hope is reborn for this lady. She could have never imagined it. And in her lifetime, she, she still had no idea how big a deal this was because her grandson was going to have a son of his own named Jesse who was going to have a ton of sons. He had like eight of them. And his youngest son was a little boy named David who would become Israel's greatest king. Do you understand that for hundreds of years after David's death, every king in Israel was compared to David. 
He walked uh, with the Lord, as did his father David. His heart was perfect with God, as was his father David. Or he did not walk in the ways of his father David. David became the role model. Naomi had no idea that they, they'd never had a king in Israel before. She had no idea that that little boy that she was holding, her grandson, that that man's grandson was going to be King David. And if she couldn't even have imagined that, she had no way of knowing that way down the line, uh, another one of the descendants of that grandson held in her arms, who would be born in the same town of Bethlehem, maybe in a place that she'd visited and been to many times in her own lifetime, the Son of God would be born, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he would be descended from that little boy, Obed. What a remarkable legacy. By the way, God didn't use Naomi because she never failed, she never stumbled, she never messed up. God used her in spite of all that because she heard the word of God, she humbled herself, and she went back to God. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Please don't ever forget that. Let's not forget that in our dealings with other people. Let's completely banish this thing that we're going to make other people pay for their mistakes for the rest of their lives. You can do that, but you can't be a good Christian and do that. You are not spiritual when you do that. You are not Christ-like when you do that. And you're probably already thanking God that that's not how you were treated when you messed up. Bestow that on somebody else. Tonight, there might not be any Naomi's in this room. It might be that we're all settled in the will of God. We're committed to that. We have no intention of leaving. We're not even looking to the country of Moab, but that doesn't mean it's going to be that way tomorrow or next year. The devil's relentless. The devil has plenty of lies, lies to tell us to get us away from the perfect will of God. When that moment happens, should it happen? God forbid that it should, but if it does, would you please take a, a lesson from Naomi's life? And would you please just make your way back to the will of God? You're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to finally listen to what God says. And if you'll do that, God's given you a promise. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Can we pray together? Father in heaven, so much hope in the book of Ruth. So much help for us. Lord, to see how some people made a grave mistake. The consequences of that mistake were, were deep and they were long-lasting. The scars of it were so very evident. But thank you that in the book of Ruth, we find out that you are truly a God whose mercy endureth forever. And Naomi got to experience that firsthand. Naomi had no idea that you were going to still use her after her failures. She had maybe no hope that that could ever happen, but you certainly did it. And Lord, thank you that that is the God we serve. May we learn from Naomi's life that should we be tempted to go out into Moab and do our own thing, to be as wise as she was and to finally listen to the word of God, but even better yet, would to God we would listen before we take the trip to Moab and we trust the Bible and obey the Bible and be doers of the work and not just faithless hearers of the word. 
May we not ever be a people who have ears to hear, but we just choose not to hear what God says because it's not what we want to hear. Lord, may we also learn from the book of Naomi to be a loving, forgiving, merciful church and Christian. May we always remind ourselves of all that you've forgiven us of and of all that other people have forgiven us of and when someone else stumbles and struggles and fails and messes up. Help us not to be so callous and cold that we just decide to make them live under that shadow for the rest of their lives. Lord, we might be, we might be condemning them to a life away from God because we refuse to restore them in such a spirit of meekness. A lot for us to learn. May, may the Holy Spirit help us to understand the truth of uh, the message that has been brought before us tonight. And just help us, help us to be the right kind of people. Bless the invitation tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. With their heads bowed, with their eyes closed. How many here say, can say, I'm saved and I know it? Pastor, if I die right now, I know for sure I go to heaven. If that's your testimony, can you lift up your hand? I'm saved and I know it. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to repeat the question, but uh, in the early part of the sermon, I asked the question, how many have ever failed? messed up and I think every hand went up then as well we all have but you're here tonight because God worked in your heart and helped you find your way back to God you're also here tonight because somebody loved you when you started making your way back to God you might even already know who that person or persons are Will you be that for someone else? The story of Naomi did not have to take any of the direction that it did. Her and Elimelech could have just trusted the word of God and stayed right with God and stayed in Bethlehem and enjoyed the visitation of the Lord with everybody else. No one has to go out and live in sin. No one has to go to Moab. We do that because we just choose to ignore what we know from the Bible. But I'm so glad in the mercy of God that they didn't, even though they didn't make the right choice to start with, when she turned around, she found God waiting on her. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to have a simple invitation. And I do not know where this message touched you. I do not know what part of it that you needed. I, I realize it's for all of us sooner or later. But there might be something very specific that the Lord's talked to you about. There might be someone that you're aware of that is away from God and you need to start praying for them with a renewed hope and a renewed passion. Perhaps you're eyeing up Moab and you need to realize that's a wrong choice and just decide I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to what I know the Bible tells me. Maybe you've kind of been dabbling in Moab and it's time to turn around and get back before you go too far. I don't know how the Lord would have it for you, but let's, let's do some business with God. Can we